breaking down crying in my living room. I'm weeping. I'm like, you know, Merry Christmas. You have sisters. I mean, it goes into absolute chaos, screaming. Our sick and dying son right there is right there in the middle of it. Everyone is rejoicing, going bonkers, going crazy. God dropped life in us at the darkest moment of our existence. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have a uh, old friend of mine. Uh, we've actually known each other. We're not like super tight, but man, we've known about each other for a really long time. Actually, I went to his church many years ago, and this is Pastor Ron Lewis uh, with Every Nation. And uh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Actually, this is your second time. Troy, it's all for you, my man. That's what brothers do. <laughs> so, uh, so Pastor Ron, uh, so you were uh, the lead pastor of uh, Every Nation uh, Kings Park International Church here locally in Durham for many years, and uh, and then you started a church many years ago in New York. And um, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about kind of what you're up to today, and then we'll kind of dig into what the show is going to be. Where we sure. get into? Um, yeah, sure. I uh, graduated from UNC Chapel Hill and felt the call to just stay there on campus and build a church. And and that in and of itself was a big move because uh, everyone told me, you can't just do this. You have to go through a denomination. And, you know, that was back in the day when yeah. pretty much that's what you did. You went to seminary and, you, and then you... And then you um, I got into denomination, and man, God just had me on this path just to start a Bible study. It grew, and it became a church, and then it became a church, a regional church, church planning church, church with big buildings, you know, all that stuff. And then 9-11 hit, and I flew up to 9-11 on and flew up to New York City. Actually, I didn't fly after 9-11. We, no one was flying that first week or so. So we drove up. Checked on friends while I was there. The unexpected happened where God spoke to my heart. Out of these ashes, I'll build a great church. I started praying into the city and in the process meeting people, producers, and just people on the streets who um, happened to have faith or wanted faith. And they, 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 there seemed to be a resounding thing. There aren't enough churches in Manhattan to handle this. So six weeks later, we... We opened a church, and it was on Sunday nights. I did my Sunday morning service, flew up on Sunday nights, did the Sunday night service for a while. That grew, and now we have multiple sites in North Carolina, multiple sites in New York City, New Jersey, and, um, and the gospel has spread. Um, so that's that's now uh, I've turned over all of our churches in North Carolina. Uh, they... They, out of their love and affection, asked me to stay on as the overseer. Uh, we have individual pastors for Durham, Raleigh, 
uh, carry uh, just different sites that we, we have and uh, different uh, languages that we have. And, and the, um, the focus then, we thought, my wife Lynette and I, uh, we thought we would hit the road, take a sabbatical, go out, write, teach, do that. But there, the sense of urgency and the call was to get back to New York City and to help finish what we started to get these site churches um, uh, where they need to be so that we could completely turn over this church one day. And then at that point, um, have a lot more freedom to travel the nations as we already have been doing, but just in a limited way. Yeah. Yeah. So that, thank you for that. I mean, it's just such a, a testimony of the faithfulness of God, especially um, in light of, you know, this has not all been um, with ease, right? There's been a lot that has happened in the middle of all of that. And, and God has been faithful. And that's what I want to kind of get into with you is, um, is not only the high points, but, but some of the lower points that, that you've kind of been through and your family's been through and just what you've discovered about, you know, the faithfulness of God in the middle of everything, which you yeah. know a lot about. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew we were going there with this uh, podcast and yeah, so that's, that's the truth. And yeah, when 9-11 happened, I was not really aware that proverbial planes were flying into my, my life, my yeah. marriage. And in year 2002, I went through 10 key losses in my life, which amount to just about everything. Yeah. Um, lost my marriage. Was not was my, was not what I wanted. Lost. Um, my father was in the hospital with kidney cancer. My mother was in a different hospital um, with open heart surgery. My four sons were in pain over what, what, what happened to their parents, uh, emotional pain. My church in North Carolina, I, I, I did not want them to go through whatever would come out in, the, in a public statement. And I did not even want to comment on it um, for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. Um, it was a, it was just a, a messy situation and a sad situation. Again, not at all what I wanted. I, I, I tried, I, I was hanging on. Yeah. I was hanging on. And after you go through something for so long, um, you just, sometimes you just have to let it go. Yeah. And, and so there were, and there were more losses. Um, when you go through a divorce, it's never easy. When you're mm. a minister, it's always, um, people always want to maybe look at it and try to make it worse than it already is. If you're, if you're an actor in Hollywood, it, it doesn't matter. It's like you're <laughs> yeah. the front, front page of a magazine. You end up making a lot of money from your, <laughs> your, your, your news. It's really, uh, it's all about context. It, yeah, <laughs> it is. It, you know, and I found the church to be warm and caring and embracing. And, and then occasionally there were those who just, it's always the man's fault. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. You were too busy. You were this, you were that. And some of that was true. Uh, I'm not denying that, but it somehow didn't add up to me. It, uh, it, 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 it did, wasn't commensurate. Um, and 
So I, w- I woke up and just had lost everything. Um, yeah, we were, we were in the a building project at our, the church that you were, you were attending yeah. in North Carolina and, and we were building this incredible building on a 33 acre campus. We moved in and it was like, it was a big deal for the church, for the city yeah. to have a, um, a 2000 seat auditorium and all that stuff. And, and I, and frankly, I couldn't even enjoy it. Yeah, those are dark. Those are. It was just a song of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the thing I, I for the listeners to hear is that you know the pressure cooker, like it, like it's like I almost absolutely went through divorce. Like we were separated four times. I was separated from her for almost two years. Like I know that pain, and and just that like it's over and there's nothing you can do and you're trying as a Christian but man to add on ministry and expectations and the pastor title and all that on top of it god bless yeah. you bro <laughs> like there's man, not a lot was, of men that that come out of that <laughs> I, I know what you're saying and you know for me I mean I'm, I'm wired I'm, I'm wired to be a faith guy I'm wired to be yeah. a gritty determined believer who's going to fight my way through if I have to I'm wired that way but this one really knocked me down, and mm. and it was uh, it was like I just walked up. I'd, I'd walked up for twenty years. I'd walked up this mountain and was at the at the peak, and everything had it felt like everything had gone my way. Yeah, I was blessed in every way, and I even thought my marriage was blessed. But that yeah. was where I was deceived, and that was where I was not reading things properly and so it was it was at the bottom of the mountain you're you're down there where you knocked off this mountain yeah and you're like wondering how can i start all over again i mean I'm, now i'm officially mid, middle age i was early 40s and yeah i was middle aged, and it's like well, i can't do this how do you do this again where you where it's you're you have this unfair thing that's that's going on and and in the process, really, really seeking God, what what do I do? I mean, can, should I yeah. buy a restaurant? Should I be a franchise guy? What what can I do to provide? For I mean, my that's family? that's huge, right? Because some, like in my case, when I was thinking about it, I wasn't like, even though I did lo- almost lose my career in the whole midst of it. But when you're a minister and go through, it's like, okay, like I got to reset my life. Like now, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, and it, it was uh, I. I I would would say that all of my friends wanted me to stay where I was. There was no disqualifying yeah that's part that was hanging over kind. me where you hey we're firing you. There, there was none of that. It was more like being a divorced minister from the south. You you kind of want to just go hide. Mm. So right in the context of this, uh, again, we had already started the church in New York City, but we didn't have a pastor yet. So we were, there were three or four of us rotating in to speak on Sunday night in Times Square at the Lambs Theater, this historic Yeah, that's theater. awesome. It was beautiful. And it, and right in the season of wondering, what am I going to, what's my next step? It was 4.17 a.m. when I, I was literally felt like I was drug out of bed and just on my face. And I looked up at the clock and it said 4.17 and at that point, I had this encounter where I knew it was Jesus 
speaking to me and putting in my heart. And he's basically saying to me that I need to follow his voice and obey him to preach the gospel and to stay preaching the gospel, but to emphasize uh, my time and energy and effort into New York City. Hmm. So that happened. And so I was not just flying into New York City every three or four weeks, but then it started weekly. Uh, Every Sunday afternoon, I would fly up to New York City. I had already turned over our North Carolina church, Kings Park, to another pastor, uh, Pastor Taylor, amazing friend. And he was leading for three years. I supported him in the in the uh, in the church set up there. I was supporting him, and and we as a church family, we just those who knew me that we just walked walked through our grieving time together. And then all of a sudden, uh, in New York City, we started the church just started growing quickly. It was in, within about a year after 9/11 at this point, and people from every walk of life in New York City started coming to church and coming to Christ. And and I remember hearing the voice of opposition, the adversary, so often, like, here you are, a divorce minister from the South. They don't want to hear from you. They don't they don't need you. New Yorkers are different. Um, you're, you know, you're defeated. I just started hearing these voices. So I made a, I took a risk. And this is where the rubber meets the road. And I decided on a particular Sunday night, I'm going to tell this congregation exactly what I'm hearing. <laughs> You're, that I'm a divorced minister from the South, and they could do better. They could find a better pastor, a more healthier. Yeah. And, and it's like when I shared that, <laughs> it was like it was so freeing for me. Yeah, bad. And then, but at that point, that young congregation started realizing that this was the church for them, and I was their leader. And and it was like I had people come up to me, wrap their arms around me, and say that just sets me free. Thank you so much for your transparency. I had others say, "You've only been divorced once. I've been divorced four or five times." I mean, I, I just, I just, these were, and it, it was such a cultural difference. I mean, New Yorkers who had no biblical reference, no up, upbringing in the church versus people in the South who had well-defined values and opinions and decisions. And it was a, it was a different crowd. And they sin is, is what they build their lives on and not scripture, not the Bible, not church, none of that. Yeah. So when they heard from me and heard my heart, uh, things began to shift. And then three or four years later, we had 500 born again people, you know, out of the woodwork coming literally from every walk of life. And then we had a, another service and then we started another church in Philadelphia. And then we started another one in New Jersey and then another one in Brooklyn. And, and, and then it was just off and running and so, everything is going great. So that, that's the grace of God in your life, man. Like, like I, I know the South, I grew up in the South and, and it's, it's the it's the scarlet letter for for pastors and exactly. so and, exactly. and 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 to live in that environment constantly it's like a, it's like you never it's like the position of the church for folks in that position is just to keep you down and to go and literally i mean it's just to keep you in that like oh you're that you're always that whereas the god sent you somewhere to be like oh thank you for being honest you know <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that is, that is, um, man, that's grace. That's, that's, wow. It is. And, and one of the things that happened um, early on, and this was, this is again the grace of God. Yeah. We were a young church. We did not know how to reach the city and people in the city. So for the first time in my ministry, which had already been 20 years at that point, for the first time, I decided to take out an advertisement in a national Christian magazine. And we ran a full page because we were meeting on 44th Street in this theater. We called it the, the ad that we put up. Had my picture and a couple other, uh, uh, Dr. Rice Brooks, his picture, and, and a couple others. And we had our pictures up there, and we called it the Miracle on 44th Street. <laughs> and so we just took a play on that that iconic movie, and, and we put the magazine uh, full-page ad out three times in this um, international ma Christian magazine, just inviting people. We thought, you know, we're having a hard time at least letting our the, anyone who might happen to know us out there, yeah. um, our story with every nation. And we thought we'd just let them know that we're here and we're meeting on Sunday nights. Well, I was, I was shocked. It was uh, so sad. Only one person responded to that ad. I mean, it was, it was devastating to me because it cost a lot and it was a risk, but one person came and I almost wanted my money back. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get your money back on an ad, but I was just so... But it turned out to be a single woman who'd been living in New York City, working in the World Financial Center for a famous company, and turned out that she and I then realized that we have a lot in common. We lived in New York City in the same neighborhood within two blocks of each other, which that in and of itself was amazing became friends and we eventually got married. So she's my wife. I did I did not know that story. What a great I mean, you hey, your disappointment, you know, was only short lived. Uh, it was. It's true. And yeah, you know, we got married in December of oh four. So it was like three years after nine eleven and it was a it was a incredible marriage. I mean the net my wife, Lynette, um, she's a corporate author, writer, um, speaker, rather, author, speaker, and she also speaks in churches around the country, um, some, some great church. She'll be speaking at Gateway in March. She'll be speaking at Victory Church Tulsa this week. Um, she's just got a great appeal to a broad audience, but then we started our journey together. And it's, it was the beginning of a comeback. Like when I went to New York City, and this is, I think, maybe a point that maybe could help someone out there. It's like when you get knocked down, if you're not knocked out, you got to get back up. You have mm. to. Mm. You just have to get up. The first thing the prodigal did when he came home, it says, it says he got up. And then he started walking back home. So um, I got up moved to New York, or not moved permanently, I still was yeah. fathering my sons in North Carolina. And I would spend two, three days in New York, come back for the rest of the week, be with my family, single dad, yeah. doing laundry and stuff like that till one in the morning. 
yeah. get up early, take my younger kids to school, you know, just doing all that. And then being able to identify with a large group, a, a subculture, if you will, of people in America who I really never really knew what they were going through. Yeah. So then all of a sudden when I began to speak, it's like people would come out of the woodwork saying, thank you, help me. I'm going crazy. I'm, I've lost my job. I've lost my marriage. I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm, I started meeting these people and realizing that my whole ministry had just shifted. My whole mm. ministry. I was ministering to successful people. People had it all together. You know, we would think, you know, broken people went through a divorce. You know, they probably made some mistakes. We love them anyway. We forgive them. Whatever their story is, that's fine. But I began to actually get to know the ethos, the emotion, the heart, the soul. Of, of a lot of Americans, a lot of people around the world. But, well, it was you. I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was like you had experience, and that's one thing I experienced. It's like the depth of pain that I went through, and I'm sure you went through in, in, in many times over. It's like you just say, "Wow." You know, we're all we're all the same at the foot of the cross. But there, yeah. we can get to a point, at least for me, and I'm sure with you, it's like when things just go well, you're like, hey, like we're this top tier group of folks, you know, and it's like, I mean, God, you don't want to say it, you know. It's, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's deceptive, like, yeah, yeah you know. you deceptive, you know, you yeah. think you're. Well, and this is the thing is that, that the Lord is, he's the Lord of the valleys as much as he is the Lord of the mountain. Yeah, amen. amen. And man, that I found God at the bottom. And mm. I found a bunch of broken people too. And I found out that they really weren't getting the help, the recognition, the encouragement, the validation that they yeah. deserved and they needed. Yeah, amen. So that was, a, that was a life-changing moment for me. And then Lynette and I, we built our 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 new marriage and our new family and she became um you know instantly uh, here's a woman who had never been married and yeah had been holding out for you know god's man for her and she was had just turned 40 and so she had her own weight and suffering and trial story herself but so when we got married it's like it's like god just started using us to share a message of hope mm a message of patience and waiting and persevering. And then it's like everything that I had lost, it just started coming back. Everything. Yeah, yeah. The church in North Carolina uh, asked me, uh, Pastor Taylor and his team, they said, would you come back and lead, lead this church now that you're married? And the, the trial is, you know, way past you. And yeah. so we did that. And 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 then we had the, the service in New York. And then we had pastors who... Um, started launching great, beautiful side churches in New York City, and 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 everything was really once again it started going up, and then and then we hit another trial. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, it's just it's yeah. Debbie, do you want to? <laughs> how do you want to broach that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the point of you know anyone who just shares their their. Let's call them their their highlight reel yeah. successes without showing what you've been through to get there. And anyone who does that is really missing an important part of the story. I mean, even the Book yeah. of Psalms is it's not all ascent psalms. There's more than lament psalms. Yeah. Than there are ascent psalms, and so yes, we're climbing up to the 
hill of the Lord to Jerusalem to, yes, we're going up, but there are those moments when we're just, we're just knocked down. And you yeah. see this, this is the story of the gospel. The gospel is that is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, so we, one of my sons, uh, Jordan, um, was, uh, had just turned 18 years old when he had, he had just returned from the mission field, actually 21 years old. He had just returned from the mission field in Tanzania working with an unengaged, unreached people group and had a very successful story of people have been trying to preach to this people group for many years. They, they, his team, his missions team, uh, based out of Oral Roberts University, they had uh, built a birthing clinic and we had it partially built. And then Jordan and some others went out to preach in the village. And for the first time, they had people respond to the gospel and, and they left behind three churches. Um, wow. And so that, that was a tribe of some 50,000. And they have since, over the years, have taken them off of the UUPG list. They've wow. Right. It's been amazing. It was amazing. Man, what? Wow. That's so, incredible. Um, right. And it's a whole story in and of itself of what's happened. And maybe we can mention that. But we have a foundation in his name. That's a different story. And that's part of this, though. But so when when Jordan got back, it was really the highlight of his life, in a sense. He was 21. He had just turned 21. But while he was there, he had two or three nosebleeds every day. Came back, and we thought it was a sinus infection. The doctor did and had antibiotics. They didn't work. And then they said, you need to see a specialist. They had a CAT scan. They saw something there. And then they went to an MRI and saw a tumor the size of a tangerine that was stuck in between his, um, stuck in between his, um, his eyes, uh, in the, in the base of the skull of his skull of his, of his brain right there. And that growing tumor, um, was then breaking bones and causing nosebleeds every day. He never complained. Uh, he was suffering, but he, he was so full of the joy of the Lord from what he had just been through that he, he was still excited. And then we had the biopsy and found out that he had stage four cancer. And that's, uh, that was then we walked through a, a new valley. This was one that I, you know, um, you have pain going through a divorce. That's really was really bad. Um, but at a certain point that just ended. Yeah. This walking through this with my son was unquestionably the most challenging trial of my life. And, uh, you just, you know, it just, you just go through it. And remarkably, uh, we, we immediately pulled him out of college got him into the UNC Cancer Center, and he was working with the right people. And six months later, um, remarkably, after 71 rounds of radiation, uh, four or five rounds of chemotherapy, three surgeries, after that, we, all in a six-month period, they declared him cancer-free. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. He had 20-20 vision. The, doc, the eye doctor, the ophthalmologist, said this is... He will have eye damage, uh, 71 rounds of radiation. They're, they're going right, that radiation beam is going like right at the, in between your eyebrows. 
Yeah. As I, and he had that every day. And he said, you will have eye damage all day. He turned out he had 20-20 vision when he left. No cancer. He graduated from uh, university on time with honors. Oh, my and gosh. It was just the most amazing. I, I, I mean, I said, I had the lowest low, and then all of a sudden I had the highest high. And then, um, then he got a great job with the bank. He had to compete for it, but he got it. And he was a young man on a mission, not just on mission to reach the world, but also to get married, which he did, and and to live a successful life, which he had even at a young age. And it's like everything he touched turned to gold. He that kind of a kid. And then and then he got married at the age of 23 and um, married Katie. You know, the, they were sweethearts in college. And, um, and nine months later, he passed away. And so that was uh, just, uh, uh, yeah, you know, those, it's not like a quick redemption. You, you're going to, it's like an amputation. You're going to, you're going to always, you can heal, but you're going to always miss yeah. that part of your body that's gone. You're going to miss, if it's a finger or an arm or a leg, you're going to miss it. And still miss Jordan, but the outcome of this, now that we have five years separation, the outcome of this is amazing. It's amazing what's happened. All the all the things that have happened and all the ways that God has shown himself faithful. Yeah, yeah. I just I mean I know I mean as a dad, you know, it's just hard. I mean I my heart just goes out to you. I'm you know, God is awesome. And but man, things sometimes they just don't make sense. Oh, man, isn't that true? <laughs> it's so true. I mean, they, they don't make sense now. And that's the thing is that, you know, eternity, eternity is is vast. It's yeah. infinite. And, and, and God wrote eternity in our hearts. And there's a theme verse for my whole life, Psalm 34, 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Yeah. And the Lord delivers us out of everything that we go through. And that became a theme verse, and it's really stuck with me. Um, the loss of my son Jordan, I, mean, I have four sons. They're all great and love them all so dearly. They're very different, and, and they're just wonderful. Um, thank God that we kept our relationship in, in, intact, even through tough times that we went through together. Yeah, and yet Jordan was the one who was always the kindest, sweetest, um, most gentle, and yet convicting young man. Um, he loved everybody. There was no one he couldn't love, and he lived this beautiful life. Impacted so many people hmm. that even even in his passing, even in his passing. When flowers were pouring into his apartment that he and his young bride were living in, they were just pouring in from all over the country. One of his peers or brothers, someone in that apartment, because I was there, I just don't remember who said it, but they said, please tell people to just stop sending flowers. Jordan would not want these flowers. And his wife said, yeah, Jordan wouldn't want any flowers. Um, send money to the university for their missions team that launched his missions group and just send it that way. So they did. 
they, they, they shifted things right then and thousands of dollars went into this fund and everyone was pretty happy. And then um, the university, three or four months later, asked his wife, Katie, and by the way, his wife, Katie, ended up marrying years, a, year, a couple of years later one of Jordan's best friends. And so she... Wow. And, and that, that was, that's just part of that redemption story. She, she wow. wrote a book on grief, and, and she's just a sweetheart. Uh, and, and happily married now. And that, that affected her forever. And she doesn't even quit talking about Jordan. And because her husband now and Jordan were such good friends, they talk about Jordan together. Oh, that's so, wow. It's, it is beautiful. It's weird, but it's beautiful. It's the way it's <laughs> supposed to be, you know, when we're, when we're people of God and we're living for eternity. Well, that fund... Uh, or Roberts University's uh, CFO and the legal counsel took Katie and I to lunch uh, months later and said, we can't keep this money. Uh, they had their, There's like a conflict with the State Department. They can't send money to these unengaged, unreached people groups where they can't send students. So long and short, they asked me to take it and, and couch this in one of their... Uh, one of our 501c3s, so we put it at Kings Park Church, and Kings Park Church has been nurturing this foundation for Jordan Lewis Missions, and to date, uh, we've had uh, well over a million dollars has come through this mission, Jordan Lewis Missions, to, directly to, the unengaged, unreached people groups of the world, and to date, more than 3,100 churches have been planted in some of the darkest most impossible regions and tribes and villages in the world. And so this has been like an unusual payback, uh, very unusual. I would have never asked for this. I would have never wanted this in comparison to my son. However, it is a great comfort, great encouragement to know that my son's life counted and he left behind the seed of his life that the seed that's, that's planted and, and dies has borne incredible fruit for the Lord Jesus all over the world. Yeah. That's brought us great hope. Yeah, that's that's just um, yeah. I I would never wish that on anybody, but God is a God of of restoration and redemption. I mean, and and just as a, a another example of that, so I I believe. So something else God did in in your life as just a story of redemption and 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 restoration. You must but, be talking about the twins. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> they, are the, they are the little rock stars of our world. <laughs> well, what Troy is saying uh, to the to our listening audience is one of the most incredible miracles. In January, I believe it was the 1st, 2009, my lovely wife, Lynette, who was uh, never able to, she, she got pregnant. We got pregnant um, at least once, and she had a miscarriage and then ended up having a lot of treatments for uh, endometriosis and other surgeries and things like that. And so we were still hopeful, but it was looking like uh, we're past that that age of being able to do this. So. So we went the adoption route. I mean, God's a, God is, God's adopted us, and so we, it's in us. It's in our DNA to 
be adopted and to support the adoption movement. Well, we didn't know that we'd be a part of, of that movement. And, and she wrote this in her journal, uh, January 1st, 2009, that God was going to give her twin girls. And she didn't know how, whether it was by birth or through adoption or whatever, but she just wrote this in there. And I'm, I'm reading her journal entry and thinking, oh, my goodness. She's describing their name, their calling, who they are, and I'm thinking, my what is this menopause? What is this? Is this hormonal? Are you serious? There is. I was like, incredible. And I mean, who can who can write in their journal they're going to get twin girls at the age we were approaching? We were approaching fifty then, I guess, and and it was, uh, or I was already fifty. She was approaching fifty, and, so, and she put this in there. I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, what is this? Next thing you know. Her girlfriends in New York City, these are some great women. Uh, this is kind of her covenant group or small group or connect group or just the, her, her, her girlfriends. They throw her a party. It's called, It was. I don't know what it's called, but in essence, it was a by-faith baby shower. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and during that baby shower, without knowing, they all knew that Lynette was trying to have children, but they did not know about her journal entry. None of them. That was a very private thing between... Lynette and God and me. And so uh, they didn't know about this. And at that by faith baby shower, I don't even know what to call it. It's like all the women are <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid together. Man. They're just all <laughs> supporting my wife to get That's all the awesome. <laughs> right. It is. And, and, it, and, you know, so when you get later in life, you're, you're, you're wondering about the how does this work uh, when you're getting to be empty nest and all that and going to yeah. have grandchildren. So she... And it was these ladies that began to also bring these gifts and several of them brought gifts for twins. So it's like there were, something had to be happening. You can't, you know, you can't just discount and somewhere your faith has to join in with what God is saying. And so we just said, let's believe. And then right here in the middle of our son, of him passing away, we get a phone call nine days before Christmas of 2013, nine days before Christmas. Uh, so your son call. would have passed away earlier that year? Yeah, he passed away in March of 2014. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so it was like three months before he was passing. He was really sick. He was in our home at this time and and he could barely walk and it was he had a broken back and so many so many problems with the cancer yet at the same time he's still fighting and believing for his life and we're still praying and and with him and but it it was just going down fast and uh, the cancer was spreading everywhere so but nevertheless we we never lost hope um and then she gets a phone call that there was a, a a birth mom that had her child up for adoption and and it was a boy and they found out that actually at, at seven months she was getting so big that her friend said you need to go have another ultrasound she went again the first ultrasound was a poor read or a mistake and it wasn't a boy it was two girls and then at that point the people who were going to adopt uh, there was some fallout because it was wasn't a boy it's two girls and so somehow in the in the in the whole story, there was someone there that knew my wife and knew that she had her heart set on girls. She got involved. We got the phone call. We had an interview with the birth mom, and the birth mom 
uh, ended up selecting us eight days later. It's Christmas Eve. Now picture this. Everyone is in our home, all of our kids, their wives, uh, grandparents, everyone's in our home that Christmas because our son is so sick. We, we don't want to think this, but we kind of intuitively know that this is our last Christmas together. Mm-hmm. So we're all there. And then on Christmas Eve, we get selected to be adopted parents. <laughs> so the next morning, we're opening presents. And then Lynette and I say, hey, we have one more present for everyone to open. My youngest son is videoing this event. Everyone's opening baby clothes that were from the shower that the women had thrown her the by faith shower. We happen to have those gifts saved up in the garage or whatever. You know, when something's in the garage, you're either going to throw it away or give it to a thrift store or whatever. And that was that was we were kind of not even able to think about this anymore because our son was so sick. As a matter of fact, had we been asked nine months prior to adopt when our son was going through all these surgeries, we're fighting each and every day, we're taking the health clinics and all this stuff all over the country, and we're going through this, we, we could not have possibly said yes, but God tethered this situation to come to us just before Christmas. We get the call on Christmas Eve, we open the presents on Christmas morning, and by the way, one other thing happened on Christmas morning. We got a text message with the picture of two little girls, one with a red toboggan, one with a green toboggan. On Christmas morning, they were born three or four weeks early. We got the picture with the statement, we were born today on Christmas, come get us. That was the text. So then we give the gifts. Then we, I'm breaking down crying in my living room. I'm weeping. I'm like, you know, Chris, Merry Christmas. You have sisters. I mean, we just, it goes into absolute chaos, screaming. Our sick and dying son right there is right there in the middle of it. Everyone is rejoicing, going bonkers, going crazy. God dropped life in us at the darkest moment of our existence. God brought life. And those little girls, oh my, I mean, the love that we share and their love for their brother Jordan, they know Jordan's in heaven. They talk about him. We talk about him as a family. He never goes away. He's always with us. The pain has gotten much less, thank God. But the the love and the family and all of that. My family's healthy again. Our lives are, are blessed and Many, in many ways, I feel like, again, we're back on the top of the mountain again. And this time, we hope we stay there. But if, even if we go back, we know that God can do it again. God can restore anything. He can restore a family. He can restore a marriage. He can restore a person. And he can do it unconventionally, too. And I have a very unconventional family. Uh, but it's a beautiful family. And we love each other. And we just had a family vacation a month ago. And... And the, the happiness and the health of having three grandchildren, these twin girls who are five and a half, about to be six this Christmas. Our family is beautiful, loving, supportive, alive, and um, God-centered. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on my roller coaster. <laughs> that, 
it has indeed been the 18-year journey from 9-11 to today. It's been the 18-year journey, and as I sit in my New York City apartment, and I'm, it's overlooking Central Park, I'm just reminded of that God pulls us out of the ashes, and he sets us in a good place, that God restores what the enemy has stolen, taken, or what was just lost. We can't even explain it theologically, but we know personally that God does this, and we have this missions thing going, and we, we get texts every day from around the world and what Jesus is doing in, in the honor of the name of Jesus, but also in recognition of Jordan Lewis missions. Yeah. It's a sweet thing. Yeah, I, you know, I just, it's such an honor to, to, to know you and to, to know the God that has restored so much. To you yeah. and and obviously I, my life's a, a story of redemption. I mean, yeah, it is just such a privilege, honor, joy to have a God that that it, even in the darkest moments there's hope, there's a fire that will still burn and will burn brighter again. And um, man, just so awesome. So one, I mean, for whatever reason, you've got New York. New York police sirens going off on your side. I live near a nuclear plant, and a huge siren just went off, like for ten minutes during this podcast. So, so yeah. So the only thing I can say is that you might, and listeners, that you may be hearing sirens, but I'm going to tell you, let let uh, Pastor Ron's life be a testimony that those sirens will maybe last for a night or a season. But there will be joy in the morning. Yeah, that's right. That's a promise from God. That's a promise. He did it for us. I can't tell you the pain that I've felt. And many of you who are listening, you know that pain. And not one tear will be wasted. Mm. Not one. Not one. Just don't don't let go. Don't yeah. let go to the covenant promise of God that he's going to bring you through. Uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You're going to be delivered mm. from this. Just don't let go. There's a, there was a, uh, let me just close with this thought, uh, Troy. There was a, there was a French, uh, race, horse race, uh, about a year or two ago. And, and there was a, a female jockey on a horse and, and the saddle blew off at the beginning, toward the beginning of the race, the saddle literally blew off and she was down literally under the, Hanging on to the mousetrap, I guess it's called, but hanging on to that strap, and that's all she had, and she was able to literally pull herself back up and ride bareback on the horse and won the race. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I look at that picture, I just think, you know, that's our lives. If we just don't let go of the promise... We're going to get through. Yeah. We're going to make it through. And that's my word to your beautiful, wonderful, amazing audience is that we really, this podcast is for you. Uh, mm. We care about you. Mm. I may not know you, uh, but and you may not know me, but I, I care about everyone who's going through that brokenness, a pain, a divorce, a loved one who's lost, a, a, a child who passes away prematurely. And you wonder why a baby that was born breach, a, 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 a divorce, a, a home that you cannot fund anymore and you lose your dream home. I mean, all of these things, everything except our time is completely replaceable when you view it from eternity. 
I'm going to see my son again. He's coming back to me. I'm coming back to him. That'll happen because of the goodness of God. He's got a plan for us, and sometimes we can't fully realize it until the other side of mm-hmm. this life and to the life that comes. Well, Pastor Ron, it's been such an honor. Thank you so much for making the time to, to share your your story, your life. And um, and if people want to follow up with uh, just to kind of find out more about Jordan Lewis Foundation or, or what you're doing uh, with uh, Every Nation's in New York, where would they go? Yeah, uh, org or jordanlewismissions.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, just look me up. I'm, we're on the Ron and, Ron and Lynette uh, Christmas Miracles. The video of the adoption is out there. It's been seen by more than a million people on different platforms. Um, yeah. I'm laughing at you, Troy. The, our, the listening audience doesn't know that we're actually on FaceTime as we do this. And I'm looking at you, and you have tissue literally all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been crying, and I haven't I shaved this morning. <laughs> It's like you have had, Troy has cried more than me today. So you're, bro, you're a precious friend. I love you, man. I appreciate you. You're you're really you're a great talk show guy. You're great. You feel it. Thank you for being you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Pastor Ron. Thank you so much, and and I can't wait to connect again. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Firestarters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.